Good day and welcome, friends, to the court of the Trashy Royals, where we examine the lives of our betters, who in so many cases are actually our worst. <laughs> My name is Stacy. Hey, friends, Alicia here. Thank you for joining us today, lords and ladies, for another ride into the wild world of Plantagenet, England. Mm. This week, we're going back to the 14th century. Last week, we talked a bit about Isabella of France. Yes. Her husband, Edward II, her waging a war for mm-hmm. her son, Edward III. Quite quite the trashy divorce, if you ask me. <laughs> we all know Eddie III had five sons, Edward the Black Prince being the first of those. Those four other sons are the founders of the War of the Roses with the Lancastrian and the York King and their battling dynasties. This happened because of the death of Edward, the Black Prince. He never gets to be king. Edward, the Black Prince, was married. His wife is the focus of our story today, Joan of Kent, Joan the Fair Maid of Kent, the Shadow Queen. Hmm. She's also the first English princess of Wales. Okay. We do not hear enough about her trashy story. She was almost a queen of England, but she was also a bigamist. Ha <laughs> ha. This was scandalous in the 14th century, y'all. Let me tell you. Because Eddie the Black Prince was Joan's third husband. Mm. She had a few relationships before old Eddie the Black Prince came along. Again, not the queen of England, but she was the mother of a king, Richard II, the last of the Plantagenet kings. He met a bad end. Joan's story is pretty incredible. She lived through six decades of the 14th century, all up in the thick of it. She has a front row seat. This is some Plantagenet hot gosh, y'all. Let us anon to Joan of Kent. Perfect. Alicia, tell the people about the fair maid of Kent, one Joan. Oh, Joan. Joan of Kent. She's born September the 29th. A number, I know, we have a date. It's a girl, though. That's so weird. It's a girl. We have a date. Her year, perhaps Mm -hmm. unknown. That's what we don't know. Okay. I've seen 1326, 1327, and 1328. We're going to go with 1328. Okay. Joan is definitely born within the Plantagenet reign. We have not broken into the red and white roses yet. But Joan born at the beginning of this transitory period. In 1327, Fast Eddie the second is out. And Eddie the three, son of Isabella and Eddie two, is now on the throne. Right? So a lot of turmoil. And Eddie the three here is still a child king until he breaks out of under his mama's wing and then goes on to reign for 50 years in his own goodbye mom, goodbye Mortimer. Sure. Right. And let's, you know, go ahead and set in the 14th century, terrible times. Uh, Half the population of England dies in this century between the Little Ice Age and famine and plague and the Hundred Years' War and the Civil Wars too. But long reign... For Eddie the Third, <laughs> Eventful time. Well, 
Edward III, like, a lot of good stuff happens and a lot of bad stuff happens, but so long on the throne. Remember, Eddie, those five sons. And this is, with the death of Edward the Black Prince, the first of those, it's going to get a little complicated with the initializations of the Lancaster line and the York line, the red and the white, between John of Gaunt and Edmund of York. Just put that in your back pocket. That battle's coming. But today, it's Edward the Black Prince, son of Edward III. He's a tremendous warrior and an asset to his father. And it should all go down great. He's a celebrated warrior and the prince of all princes. You really enjoyed his performance in... A Knight's Tale. That's exactly right. Just a really stand-up guy. But Eddie the Black Prince doesn't make it to the throne, and neither does his wife, Joan of Kent. Although she is the mother of many children including next king up, Richard II, who will be the end of the Plantagenet line and the beginning of the Lancastrian takeover, the Red Rose Lancasters of John of Gaunt. Okay. John of Gaunt is the father of Europe and everything is connected to anything. I don't know if y'all are ready for John of Gaunt, but he's coming. But today it's Joan. So with that background set, we return to the birth of Joan, September the 29th. Meh. 1328. Joan's father is Edmund of Woodstock. He is the first Earl of Kent. And Joan's father has a royal connection tie-in here. So roll with me just for a minute because we're everybody's related to everybody and it, I don't want to complicate it, but it is important to note this fact. Edmund of Woodstock's mother is Marguerite of France who was the second wife of, go way back with me here, Fast Eddie I. Fast Eddie I and Marguerite of France have three children. This is Eddie I's second marriage. Eddie I's first marriage was to Eleanor of Castile. Eleanor of Castile is the mother of Edward II. Okay. But Marguerite of France is the mother of Edmund, first Earl of Kent of Woodstock, making Edmund of Woodstock, Joan's father, and Eddie II, half-brothers. Right, I was going to say, so... Okay. So Edmund of Woodstock, Joan of Kent's father, Mm half-brothers with Edward II, the king. With the king, yeah. Correct. Okay. So you got to know that part to understand what happens to poor Joan of Kent's father, Edmund of Woodstock. A lot of royal ties there. Edmund is a big-time supporter of his half-brother, Edward II, which is directly flying in the face of Isabella of France and Roger Mortimer, and it ultimately doesn't go that great for Edmund of Woodstock. There is a plot to free, restore, uncaptivate Edward II that Joan's father, Edmund, is all slung up in. Essentially, Joan's father, Edmund, of Woodstock, first Earl of Kent, is executed for treason in mm. 1330 when little Joan is wow, two, two years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on when she's actually born, but she's very young. Right. Two. Four. Yeah. Okay. On the other side of Joan, her mother is Margaret Wake. Now, her mother Margaret, Edmund of Woodstock, the first Earl of Kent, is her second marriage in life. Margaret Joan's mother is also known as the third Baroness Wake of Little. Interesting to note, Margaret's first husband was murdered 
by Robert the Bruce at the Battle of Bannockburn in 1306. Okay, we've yeah. heard about this, yeah. It all, it mm-hmm. really does all mm-hmm. come together. So everyone essentially knows everyone, whether they like each other or not. All of these stories really do weave into a magnificent tapestry, but we're going one at a time. Edmund, Joan's father, before he goes out for treason. His marriage short-lived to Margaret Wake, but they do manage to have four kids. Once Edmund of Woodstock goes down for his treason and his plotting, now you've got Margaret Wake and all of her kids, and oh no, how do I support my kids? And it's not until Edward III rises up against his mother, Isabella of France, that Margaret Wake and her children are released from captivity. Okay. But Eddie Third, when he rises up, will release Margaret and mm-hmm. all of her kids and take her, Margaret, and all the kids into his household. Which is how dear, sweet Joan the Fair Maid of Kent grows up. She is a cousin to Edward III. Edward III's wife, Philippa of Hainault, really becomes a big fan of Joan's. Joan and Edward the Black Prince grow up together. Eddie, Black Prince, two years younger than Joan, but they are aligned from the beginning, growing up together in the same court. Eddie, Black Prince, loves Joan. He just loves her. He always likes her. Eddie, the Black Prince, calls her his Jeanette. Hmm. It's very sweet. Yeah. So Joan of Kent, being one of those kids, raised in court, a little irreverent. She's not into too many people telling her what to do, per se. Even if her father is dead and she is at the court, her mom has been locked up, right, since the execution of dad, and here she is at court. She kind of does what she wants to. Feeling sassy. Feeling sassy. And Joan is beautiful. Beautiful. She is known in, in history as the Fair Maid of Kent. She's a real looker. She's chronicled as the most beautiful woman in England. So let's go ahead with 1328 as a birth year. And I want to let you know when Joan is 12, she will get married for the very first time. Her first marriage is to Thomas Holland of Up Holland in Lancashire. Old Tommy is twice Joan's age. Thomas is also the second son, so he's not in line to inherit anything, which is a bit of a problem for girls making proper marriages, especially when you are a girl like Joan with the family credentials that you have. But Joan of Kent in the royal family and Tommy, her husband, that she marries, nobody knows it's a big secret. Because the king would have never granted permission for this marriage anyway. And remember in Those times, all you had to do was pretty much say you were married and have sex and your marriage was legit. You know, you're done. You're in Mm -hmm. the face, in the eyes of the church. The eyes of God, yeah. You are certainly married. God saw you doing it, so. Joan never says a word. Keep it secret, keep it safe. Never says a thing about being married to Thomas Holland. And Thomas Holland, now with a young wife to provide for, he's going to take a gig. He's going to be sailing off on a boat through the continent of Europe, expeditions and such. So a year-ish after they're secretly married, old Tommy Holland is off to Prussia. Joan, keep it secret, keep it safe, not saying a word. So no one's any the wiser when William Montague 
the second Earl of Salisbury, who is 13, Joan's own age, is put up as a prospective hmm. groom for Joan. Sure. Now, let me give you a little dish on the Montague family, because this is interesting, and I want to make sure y'all understand this if you go researching around. The Montague family is sometimes M-O-N-T-A-G-U. Sometimes it's T-A-G-U-E. You'll also see them listed sometimes as the Montacute family, C-U-T-E, all the same family, Montacute. (laughs) This family name, it's medieval English earls. They are descended from Drogo of Montague, uh, given in the Doomsday Book back in 1086. Drogo of Montague is one of the chief landholders in Somerset. And the Montague family really becomes prominent within the 14th century, notably to the achievements of William de Montague, who helped King Edward III throw off the tutelage of Queen Isabella and her lover, Roger Mortimer. For this, William Montague was created Earl of Salisbury in 1337. It is his son, William Montague's son they're trying to hook Joan up with. But I want to set something just a little in the future here. William's descendants will fight with distinction in the Hundred Years' War. One of his descendants, Thomas de Montacute, (laughs) Earl of Salisbury, left a daughter. That daughter married, coming into our plot point soon, Richard Neville. Their son, Richard Earl of Warwick, is called the Kingmaker who plays in War of the Roses. Mm -hmm. Like, if you know how it all connects, it really does come alive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So anyway, Eddie Three is going to reward his good ally mm-hmm. by marrying his son to his cousin. Or correct, okay. that's exactly right. But nobody knows about the, who's the already married. It Tommy Holland's mm-hmm. secret marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, because he's off in Prussia riding boats. Okay, so the secret marriage is 1340. Tommy Holland out, and in 1341, here comes little William Montague and Joan sitting in a tree and they get married and they stay married from this point for a hot minute. In 1344, just a few years after that marriage, William, Joan's husband, his father, William, passes away. So now Joan's husband is... Oh, the Earl of Salisbury. That's exactly right. Great stake town. (laughs) Elevating William's position in the world. And it goes great for another few years until... Dun-dun-dun, 1348. Tommy Holland sails back home? You bet your tail he does. He comes back into town and he's looking for his wife because he's really missed her because he's been in Prussia for eight years. Now, Joan has never said a word about this marriage. And Joan is 20, 21 now. She's been married mm, seven, eight years. And she doesn't know if Tommy Holland has actually lived through that expedition. Sure. So why mention sure. it? She doesn't want him to get executed. 
She's afraid to say anything about this because she doesn't want any harm to come to Thomas. Tommy, it's not you, it's me, who's been married to another guy for six years. (laughs) So here comes Tommy. It isn't surprising at all to think that Thomas Holland would like his wife back. He's very, very concerned about wanting his wife back, and so Tommy Holland is going to go to King Edward III and confess everything. Yeah, we married. We consummated. We're totally married. I don't know why you would marry her to this other person because we got married way before that. How'd that go? Well, Tommy just doesn't go to the king. Tommy appeals to the Pope as well with this gotta get my wife back thing. Now, William Montague, who is married to Mm -hmm. Joan the Fair Maid of Kent... Legally and everything, sort of. ...is not really a fan of this, I'm going to give your wife back to you, Tommy Holland. surprised to hear this. So, William, Joan's current husband, a little naturally alarmed by the secret husband, just steals Joan and keeps her locked in captivity for like a year and a half which is fine. It will take 18 months or so, like a year and a half, until the king and the church and the pope work it out and force William Montague to release his wife and send her back to her first husband, Thomas Holland, which is what Jones wanted all along because Thomas Holland is her true love. Okay. Okay. Again, this takes about a year and a half. There is an annulment and papers and fluff. And Joan is not at all upset. Because she loves Thomas Holland and reunited, and it feels so good. And huzzah! Let's celebrate Joan and Thomas Holland. They have five children over the next 11 years. I mean, they spend a lot of time together. In 1352, Joan is going to receive the titles of her parents and siblings. She'll end up being the last surviving of her line, promoting her to the fourth Countess of Kent, the fifth Baroness Wake of Little. Tommy Holland is also going to get an Earl of Kent title in all of this machination from Joan's inheritance. Just a little note here about Joan's kids with Thomas Holland. Her son Thomas will be the second Earl of Kent. Her son John will be the first Duke Exeter. Their daughter Joan marries John V, Duke of Brittany, and their daughter Maud marries into first the Courtney family. The Courtney family, big deal. Maud will marry again to totally new name in our Trashy Royals saga, Wallerin, the third of Luxembourg. Mm hmm. Wallerin. So, actually, like of Luxembourg from Correct. the continent. Okay. Correct. Okay. So, Joan's kids via Thomas Holland, mm-hmm. really well placed in the world. I want to let you know that the descendants of Joan of Kent and Thomas Holland include, but are not limited to, future Trashy Royals profile, Lady Margaret Beaufort, Mm. the mother of King Henry VII. Mm -hmm. Henry Tudor. Henry Tudor. As well as, descendants include, for Thomas and Joan, Queen Consorts and Neville, the wife of Richard III, and Catherine Parr, the sixth wife of Henry VIII. Okay. Okay. Another little interesting bit about Joan. This story, we don't talk about Joan of Kent enough. She's really fascinating. She, it's Joan of Kent, who was friends with Chaucer, 
Maybe Joan of Kent is written about in some of Geoffrey Chaucer's mm. work. Okay. Again, he did really good in A Knight's Tale, too. Just as, yeah, as a hype man, he really <laughs> just set the world on fire. It is also Joan of Kent who is credited, although we don't think it's really, really her who did it. Joan of Kent is credited with the creation of the Order of the Garter. The Order of the Gata mm-hmm. in 1348. Which the royals, conti- like you bestow that honor upon people who do heroic things. I'm not sure what the... Well, let me give you the deal okay. on how this happens. It's a little bit interesting. It probably is the Countess of Salisbury, William Montague's mother, who is the Countess of Salisbury in question. But I do have a little bit on and it's kind of neat. 1348, Order of the Garters created... Established in Joan of Kent's name, perhaps, but the founding of the order commemorates a particular incident in which Fast Eddie III was dancing and one of his partner's blue garters dropped to the floor. And there's mocking laughter. Edward picks up the garter and puts it on his own leg, admonishing his courtiers at the same time. He will say this in French, but the translation is, Shame to him who thinks evil of it, which is rendered these days into Mm -hmm. evil to him who evil thinks. This Hmm. is the Order of the Garter's motto. Joan's husband, Thomas Holland, the first one, is invested as one of the founders of the Order of the Garter in 1348. So is it an honor for chivalry in effect or? Yeah, I mean, it's private club. We want to honor you. We want to do this. But let me give you the lowdown of what happens on the first tournament of the Knights of the Order of the Garter, because let's joust for real. This happens on St. George's Day in 1349. Spectacular tournament. But Joan, kind of in the middle of the action. Try this on for uncomfortable. Her second husband, William Montague, Earl of Salisbury, is fighting on the King's team, And her first husband, Thomas Holland, is on the opposing side, the team of Edward the Black Prince, who's going to be her third husband, so awkward. Anyway, Thomas Holland is Joan's true love. They remain married and happy. All the kids. Thomas Holland passes away in 1360. Okay, 1360. Now Joan of Kent is a widow. There's no going back to William Montague. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure he's found other things to do with his time. He will remarry. I'm sure. Joan at this point is in her late 20s. She has some kids. She's fully funded. She's got money and lands all on her own and perhaps is ripe on the market for a new husband. And hello, have you met Edward the Black Prince? Why, yes, I have. I know him. I'm his Jeanette. He's my first cousin once removed. We grew up together. After we got out of captivity. That's right. So Eddie the Black Prince, again, a few years younger than Joan. Eddie's born in 1330, the same year that Joan's father is executed for treason. Eddie the Black Prince, his father, Edward III, his mother is Philippa of Hainault. Remember who? Yeah, the the army that... It's Belgian. They're Belgian. I looked it up. Belgian. There you go. Modern Belgium. But yeah, basically the, the Belgians helped Eddie III take the crown. That's it. So Joan and Eddie the Black Prince grow up together. He's loved her since the beginning of time. At this point, Eddie the Black Prince will present Joan with a silver cup to show his love. He won it, and it's one of the spoils of war. Now, Eddie the Third and Philip of Hinault are like, oh, no. 
no, 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 no. They are not fans of this romance at all because Joan has a reputation as the bigamist of the 14th century. But I'm not sure if you've met Joan, remember? She really does love a secret marriage. <laughs> so Joan and Eddie the Black Prince are going to get married first in secret in front of the eyes of God. They're going to do the deeds. And then and only then do they reveal that they're married. <gasps> Muzzle! So the king and queen kind of have to accept it now. They have an official ceremony in 1361, but there are so many degrees of consanguinity between Eddie the Black Prince and Joan of Kent that there are... <laughs> they have to get a waiver from the Pope or something? Not one waiver. Oh, God. Not two waivers. Not three dispensations, but wow. a total of four dispensations from the church in order to make that marriage actually legal. That's how connected Joan of Kent and Eddie the Black Prince are. Hmm. Well. That's why I told you all that stuff in the beginning about the mother being the wife of Eddie the First. Like, it's... They are the family tree overlaps. Yeah, you've heard of keeping it in the family, but sometimes that can go a little too far. There's a lot of paperwork, is what I'm trying to say. Pope Innocent VI, mm. by this time, will make all that happen. Joan and Eddie marry. Joan's off to the races. They have two kids, Joan and Eddie do. Edward, the first boy, dies at about the age of five, but the second son, Richard of Bordeaux, will become Richard II, King of England in the future, but nobody knows that yet. So the couple, the year after they are married, in 1361, officially married anyway, beginning in 1362, they head over to Aquitaine, because Edward the Black Prince is the Prince of Aquitaine at this point, and they live in Bordeaux, and they have a happy marriage, and they really are a love match. I mean, great wine. I'm sure the, the the scenery is beautiful. Yeah. It's so nice, Bordeaux. Yeah. And like their correspondence written about them, they walk everywhere hand in hand. Like he'll go off and do battles and mm -hmm. come back to this triumphant return. Like they are smitten kittens over each other all the way up into the end of his life because he gets really sick. A few years before he dies, he knows he's going to die. They end up going back to England and Eddie the Black Prince passes away at the age of 45, hmm. never having a chance to claim his throne. And Eddie, again, knows he's dying. He knows he's sick and he appeals to his father, Edward III, who is now, good Lord, 70 something on the throne. He's reigned for 50 years. Dad, you gotta protect my young son, Richard II, to yeah. ensure, which, right, he will. The two, Joan and Edward the Black Prince, have been married a dozen years plus, but Eddie the Black Prince does pass away in 1376, and Joan is now the Dowager Widow, Princess of Wales, mother to the future king. Helpfully, <laughs> for her future king, Richard II, the following year, 1377, Fast Eddie Three is out. Welcome to the Richard II administration. Remember, it's this boy king mm -hmm. who ends up on the throne with all those uncles, those, all yep. the remaining sons the, of Edward III. The four brothers, yeah. That's it. Richard II will be the last of our House of Plantagenet kings before we turn into, in 1399, welcome to the House of Lancaster, 
thanks to John of Gaunt, via his son, who will be Henry IV. All those stories are coming in the future, but let me just drop a little hot goss on John of Gaunt. He is 37 at this point when his 10-year-old nephew, Richard II, assumes the throne, and John of Gaunt very much would like that throne for himself. And one day, through his descendants, he's going to get it. And John of Gaunt is the father of Europe. It is incredible. We're going to come back to his story in no time at all. I cannot tell you. Literally, (laughs) John of Gaunt is the forefather of every English monarch from Henry IV onward in one way or another. Everyone. Like right up to Charles III? Yes. Wow. Yes. Every single one. John of Gaunt, his connections are incredible. Another story, another day. Let's talk about the end of Joan, the fair maid of Kent. Joan, long life, depending on mm, when it started. She lives for about six decades. Joan passes away August the 7th, 1385. A little bit of controversy here with Joan. She pleads with her son, Richard II, to save her other son's life. There's a little bit of contention right at the end of her days. Let me see if I can break this down. In 1385, Joan's son, Sir John Holland, from Mm -hmm. Thomas Holland, was campaigning in Scotland with his half-brother, the King Richard II. John Holland gets in a fight with Ralph Stafford, Ralph Stafford is the son of the second Earl of Stafford, and Ralph Stafford is killed, and John Holland is the one who does it, and he seeks sanctuary at the shrine of St. John of Beverly. Now, important to note, so much, John Holland's wife was Elizabeth of Lancaster, the daughter of John of Gaunt. Okay. (laughs) Right? Who is the brother of Edward the Black Prince. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on the king's return, John Holland is condemned to death. I don't care if you're my half-brother. You can't just be killing all the nobles. Yeah. And Joan pleads with the king, her son, Richard II, to spare the life of her other son, John Holland. Please don't kill him. Please don't kill him. This begging operation from mom to son goes on about four days on the fifth day, Joan of Kent dies. Convenient for Richard, <laughs> yeah. right? At Wallingford Castle, but at this point, with the death of his mother, Joan of Kent really was an enormous influence on her son, Richard II. But apparently, with the passing of his mama, Richard II relents and decides to pardon his half brother from execution. It's probably the only circumstance where the Stafford family would not necessarily feel slighted, right? Like the man has just, the the king has just lost his mother. Like her final wish was, right? Like, because otherwise he's making an enemy of one of the noble families. Well, worked out for John Holland. Yeah, I guess. Six decades in, Joan passes away. August the 7th, 1385. Thanks, mom. You're a lifesaver. Hot goss lady of the 14th century. Now, is Joan done, even in death, causing controversy? Not really. I got one more little fun fact about Joan. You would like to think that Joan would be buried next to Eddie the Black Prince, the king who never was. And in fact, 
Edward the Black Prince has built a crypt for Joan in Canterbury Cathedral in Kent with her likenesses all ready to go. There's a place for Joan to lay next to Edward the Black Prince yeah, in for, perpetuity. Yeah, for eternity, yeah. Does Joan do that? I'm guessing not. No. Joan, according to her wishes, would like to be buried next to her first husband, Thomas Holland, which she is. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? She returns to Thomas Holland in death, not Eddie the Black Prince. Even though they had a tremendously sure. happy and successful marriage, she goes back to her husband, number one, for all of time. Who really was her husband, number one. Not that anybody knew about it for about a decade. Isn't that an incredible story, Joan of Kent? Yes. I don't know how many trashy crowns I give her. She's mm. a little sassy. Three marriages, bigamist, mother of the last Plantagenet king. It's incredible. I don't know how many trashy crowns to give. I just, we don't hear enough about her, and I would have been remiss if we let's did do, not talk about Joan of Kent. Let's do three for the number of husbands. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Is one of those in the shadow, though, the shadow queen? Sure. There what? really are three trashy crowns, but you can only see two of them. Sure. One is probably <laughs> black for the black prince. Yes. And then, yeah, one of them is just obscured. I love her story. Y'all, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you tuning in and listening to Trashy Royals. We're going to be back next week. Maybe I'll come back next week with John of Gaunt. He really is an amazing story. I do like this plantagenet ride through history we are really grateful for all y'all for tuning in for your kind ratings and reviews on the apple podcasts thank you for your trashy support absolutely friends we will be back in a week with more from the court of the trashy royals fare thee well to you and good morrow friends keep your eye on the throne keep that crown on the level. <laughs> Big love, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>